This is DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Lindsay Persico, how are you? Good. So it's been a year since we last talked, um, a crazy year. Um, and I guess let's just break it down for some people who may have not seen the original episode and kind of let them know who you are. Okay. Um, so my name is Lindsay Persico. I live in Montana. And I grew up in Idaho, pretty close to where I live now. So this has always been somewhat of my home. Um, grew up with uh, outdoors-focused family. We did a lot of hunting. We did a lot of playing outside. So that was always kind of a passion of mine. And now I'm married. I have three kiddos. And it's still a giant passion of mine. I love hunting. I love hiking the mountains and getting outside. And now I kind of do prepping for hunting fitness as my work. It's kind of a new thing this year. Yeah. So, I mean, last time we chatted, we talked about a lot of the, um, you know, along the beast show that you were where I found you from. And, you know, for those of you who are watching or listening who don't know, basically you need to go back and watch that because this lady right here was dropped off in the Arctic wilderness um, with a few gentlemen and she ended up beating all of them out. and was the only <laughs> one to complete the 30 day task of living alone and not having any, any primitive, I mean, any, any type of tools or weapons or anything to make it besides one moose carcass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that was such a, it feels like a totally different life <laughs> because everything changed. You had to let go of, you know, any control over anything going on out here in what I would consider the real world. It was like being in a different world back in the past. Um, you know, no access to electronics, no, none of the comforts of home, just living in the wilderness with yeah, just nature, purely nature. All I had was the clothes on my back and that moose. And it's quite the adventure, quite the experience. I'm super glad I was able to do it. And it definitely turned out different than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing that you, you know, what being like you had these skills, but really haven't really been able to actually use them how they're meant to be used until putting yeah. in that position, which is insane how that played out, you know? Right. It's not a position you'd put yourself in on purpose normally, <laughs> you know, and, and we do as hunters and hunting out here in the West where I hunt by myself a lot. I prepare for, you know, that kind of a situation happening, but it never really does. It can. And that's why we prepare for it. But the, the chances you're actually going to find yourself in a survival situation are not that, not that high. Yeah. So what have this in this past year, um, besides all the COVID stuff we went through, I mean, you being out there and um, any good kills this year, any, anything harvested that you're excited about that may, I mean, I haven't really talked to you. So, I mean, what's, what's been going on? Yeah, well, I've had fun <laughs> just chasing everything that I can. Hunting season really doesn't end for me, it feels like, because we do our big game hunting here. We had antelope tags this year, which was an awesome hunt. We went to Eastern Montana, me and my husband and another friend, we had six tags. So three buck tags, we each had a buck tag and a doe. And we were able to walk out of that trip having filled five of those tags. I got a nice buck and a doe. So our freezer's full of antelope, which is great. We love that. Um, elk season was a lot of fun. It was a lot harder this year. We did some crazy up high hunting, um, hiking crazy mountain ranges. It was a blast. We had a great time. My hubby was able to get, uh, fill his cow tag, which was nice. We actually have elk in the freezer too. And then deer season was fun. I didn't shoot a deer in Idaho this year. It was 
kind of an odd year, but I had a great time chasing them. I did get one in Illinois, so there were some deer on the ground as well. So it was successful, but as usual, mostly just a ton of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Did you uh, take anything with the bow this year? No, I didn't hunt with a bow much this year. I don't hunt a ton with a bow. I like archery hunting, and I have in the past, but mostly I hunt with the archery equipment to extend my season because the archery season opens first and then the rifle season opens. So if I can get out during archery season, I'll go, but I generally fill my tags in rifle season because it's easier. (laughs) That's usually when I find something. Um, And I don't think I got out as much this year. It was a little different. Like you said, with COVID, the kids were at home. They did school from home. My husband was working from home. So everything was, it was quite different than what I was used to schedule wise. Didn't, it felt like we were at home way more than I wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been interesting. What about, um, do you do anything predator wise? Yeah, I've been out quite a bit, actually. I made some progress with the wolf hunting in finding where some packs were running, which was really fun. Um, got into an area where I came across a pack of about six from what I could tell. And two of them were giant, giant tracks, which was really exciting to see. We're pretty fresh, probably had been through there the night before or the morning of when I was there. So that was cool. Um, spent a lot of time hiking around in the snow, <laughs> getting exercise, yeah. just trying to learn their, learn their habits and kind of figure out where the packs are running. So that was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember last time we talked, you were talking about getting into that. Um, well, we didn't get to the last show. We didn't get to talk a lot. We talked more about the story of the, you know, the beast stuff and, you know, what all you went through there, but we didn't get up to hit up a lot on the fitness stuff. Um, and you've been doing that quite a lot here lately. So, um, let's chat about that. How's that going? And, 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 you know, and, and it's crazy to me how you're able to implement your passion of fitness and, outdoors hunting rucking and all that and mixing them together and make it a business that I just love that stuff so I just want to chat about it a little bit yeah well my background in kind of health and fitness in general I think started when I was pretty young because there were quite a few people in my family that I was really close to that were having health problems my mom got diagnosed with Crohn's disease and there was quite a bit of cancer in my family. My dad had a bout of cancer. My grandpa died of cancer when I was around that age. Um, so I think I took just an interest in health in general as more of a preventative thing, being concerned about seeing people that I love that were sick. Um, so I started reading books at a quite a young age about nutrition and then that kind of led into the whole fitness side of it. And, the things that I love to do, the hiking and the hunting and all that here in the West are quite taxing physically. (laughs) If you want to pack out an elk, you have to be in pretty good shape. So that's really motivating for me to stay in shape myself. Um, And it became such a passion of mine. I thought I would like to share it with other people. A lot of people would reach out to me because they saw me doing it and ask me, how do you do this? And ask me questions about nutrition. So I ended up going and getting my certification from NASM as a personal trainer. And then I got a fitness nutrition specialization. So I kind of started doing online personal training before I actually went to the Arctic. Then when I was going to go do that show, I shut everything down. Um, And then I never picked it back up. And a big reason behind it was that I absolutely hated the business side of it. (laughs) I I don't like that stuff. That is just not my thing. So I didn't pick it back up, but I obviously on my own was still doing 
all of my own fitness and working with nutrition. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis a few years back, which is a um, autoimmune disease that affects your thyroid. And I've had to do a lot of experimenting on what helps me and my diet. The nutrition side of it is a big deal, a big part of it. So it still always was a passion of mine. And Tana, who is now my boss, posted on Instagram. She's amazing. If you have, if you don't know who Tana is, you got to go check her out. She's pretty darn cool. Um, she lives in Alaska, hunts, and uh, raises six kids with her husband, who is a pilot. And she runs what's called Bristol Bay Fitness. And that is an online fitness, nutrition, and just lifestyle coaching business. And she was expanding and looking for a coach. And I thought, man, talk about a dream job. <laughs> Work for this amazing person doing, you know, the part of it that I love and not having to deal with the business side of it. So it was just, just the perfect fit for me. So I applied and we connected right away and she hired me on. So that's what I've been doing since January. I started doing that. Yes, we um, I actually had Tana on a few months ago. And yeah, we got to talk about, you know, that's the reason why I met her through you and um, how it's crazy how those, you know, those wires crossing your guys' lives aligns and it's so similar. Um, so what is, it's so different. I know traditionally you were into the training aspect of it and you went and did your, you know, your tour in the Arctic there and then come back and then got involved in on this side of it. And it's more directed to people who are interested in, in hunting and doing things outdoors and getting better shape so that they could perform better in, during these, you know, these trips and these hunts. How have you seen that, you know, taking people on and seeing that their growth and changing diet and changing exercise? How has that worked out? You know, it's been really interesting. And I, I tend to bring in those kinds of people because those are the people that are in a lot of my circle. So I work with a lot of people who have outdoor passions, but I also work, I'll work with anybody. I have a lot of moms who have reached out and I work with women who, you know, have Hashimoto's. So there's quite a few different varieties of people that I work with, but it's all, it all kind of comes down to the same things. When you have a goal that's fitness related and health related, it's not just simple working out to reach that goal. There's a lot of things that have to fit into place. There's a whole bunch of puzzle pieces and a lot of them are lifestyle related, just taking care of our bodies and giving them the basics of what we need before we can build. Our bodies aren't really able to do that if we aren't giving them everything we need. So that's a lot of what I teach people. Um, but it is fun. I've got all kinds of clients working on different hunting, uh, adventures. I have a guy who's getting ready for a hunt in Alaska for moose. So his big deal is a lot of rucking, a lot of packing and learning how to carry that heavy weight and training your core so that you can hike through unstable tundra and carry that 150 pounds on your back. (laughs) It's a lot of training that goes into that if you want to be really successful at it. So I love the variety of it. I love connecting with people that have similar passions as mine. And I love seeing, you know, people able to reach their goals and feel better physically and just about life in general, being able to do better. It's, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. I mean that it's just, it's crazy that it's so funny how if you can get enough people in, you know, one area to have similar goals, what you can accomplish, you know what I mean? Yeah. And being able to work with those people one-on-one, like, and, you know, and whether it be, well, let's talk about the autoimmune disease. So Hashimoto, like, so tell me about that. Cause I'm not familiar with it. And that's kind of like something I want to elaborate on a little bit. 
Yeah. So Hashimoto's is something that can happen. It's actually fairly common for women. Um, and there's other forms of thyroid dysfunction. Your thyroid can be overactive or underactive and it affects the, the hormones in your body, the levels of your hormones. So they can be off balance in a lot of different ways. When it, when you get to an actual Hashimoto's case, that's when the autoimmune system gets involved and starts creating antibodies against your thyroid. So your body starts basically attacking your thyroid as if it's something, a foreign invader, and it's not supposed to be there. Um, that hinders your thyroid's ability to function, and that affects a lot of things. You can feel really cold all the time, um, really bad fatigue, brain fog, weight gain, just it affects your metabolism in a lot of ways because those hormones are related to your metabolism. So um, a lot of times... People have to go on medication for that. I was lucky when they found mine. I was not very far advanced yet. I was experiencing a lot of symptoms, but when it came to the actual numbers on, in the labs, I wasn't presenting as a really advanced case. So they didn't want to put me on medication yet. They basically just told me, um, eventually your thyroid will get bad enough that we'll put you on medication. And then after that, at some point, it'll probably just stop working. You may have to have it removed, but they didn't give me anything else to do in the meantime to try to give myself the best chance I could at slowing down that process. Um, health wise, food wise, nothing. They didn't give me any tools. So I started doing a lot of research on my own. What can I do to help support my immune system, to support my hormones and a lot of it came down to foods that were inflammatory for me. It can be really different for everybody. Some people don't have any foods that are they're sensitive to or cause inflammation for them. I do. I have issues with gluten um, primarily, but mostly grains in general, which I have now started to avoid. And I feel a hundred times better when yeah. I do it. I've still been able to maintain a good enough health of my thyroid where I haven't had to go on medication yet, which has been amazing. <laughs> so those kinds of things can help. They can't solve the problem. They can't fix it. Once your body creates, you know, antibodies to something that never goes away. Um, but it's definitely helping me maintain a good, healthy level for me. How, how did you, um, I, I, and I can relate with you there. I've, um, well, I just kind of naturally took out gluten because I realized that, well, I just wanted to try it out first. Cause I'd heard things and this is probably 10 years ago. I just started taking it out and I'd say I'm probably 90% gluten-free every now and then I may splurge and have something with it in it, but it's for me overall feeling better. How did you pinpoint that was one of your issues? Um, it's a common one for women who have Hashimoto's. Okay. They recommend, you know, a lot of times you try, um, what they call an elimination diet. So you take yeah. out a lot of things that tend to be inflammatory and then give your body a, a period of time to settle down and then slowly add them in one by one to see what does cause issues for you. Um, dairy is another common one, but it doesn't seem to affect me. So thankfully I don't have to eliminate that one, but it, yeah, it was a process of elimination and trying what is most common for people in my situation that helped me figure out what bothered me. Got you. So are you on, um, what kind of diet are you on? Like right now, are you taking like whole foods or what is your carb supplement now? If you're not taking in grains or, or gluten. Right. Yeah. That's the hard part for me with strength training is, you know, carbohydrates are really important for that. <laughs> so I get my carbohydrates generally from fruits and vegetables. Um, things like some of the starches, like a sweet potato, um, and then I use honey quite a bit. I do more of what would be considered a paleo diet, but I do include dairy because dairy doesn't bother me. So, 
I can get carbohydrates from dairy as well. And I do have a, a lower carbohydrate goal than I would set for a lot of my clients because most people can do way better with you know carbs than I can. But my body tends to do better with a little bit lower carb. Definitely not a low carb diet. I still get almost 200 grams of carbs per day. But oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's good though because it's different. Like if you're taking in 200 grams of bread, you know, or, or yeah. rice, it's uh, it's a different feeling. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, I eat a lot of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I eat a lot of fruit and a lot of veggies. That's you know my primary source of carbohydrates. And then honey. I usually have some honey in the morning with a cup of coffee, and then I often have tea in the evening with some honey in it too, and that that provides some carbohydrates. What's been uh, what's been something that's challenging for clients coming on that would be? Uh, let's just start with. First off, we can start with clients who are similar with this autoimmune disease. What's been something that's been challenging for them and that you've kind of had to overcome this, you know, starting out? I would say it's going to sound so crazy, but the, the majority of women that come to me, there are a lot of them that struggle with Hashimoto's. And I think it's because of our lifestyle as women right now, we're told to not eat very much to cut calories as much as possible, and then just to do cardio forever and ever on end. (laughs) And when we do that, especially as women, that causes such a crazy stress response in our bodies. Our cortisol levels just skyrocket. Everything gets out of balance. Then your hormones get out of balance and it can lead to things like Hashimoto's. So the hardest part for my clients when they come in, a lot of times is I tell them to eat more food. I set the, I set their nutritional goals for them and I'm telling them to eat more food. And they're like, I can't eat more food. I'm trying to lose weight. I need to eat less food. Like you can't eat less food. You're going to starve death. (laughs) There's got to be a healthy balance here. So learning how to fuel themselves and not being afraid of food, um, learning what kinds of foods to have in their diet uh, is a big factor for them, but then also reducing stress. People are extremely stressed right now for a lot of reasons. And our bodies take on all of that and learning how to bring their stress levels down to a place where their body can, their cortisol levels can come down. It's really hard for our bodies to let go of fat when our cortisol levels are super high. They're in that fight or flight, like survival mode and having to make lifestyle changes to allow their bodies to come out of survival mode is the hardest part for most people. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed a lot and I'm, Anyone that's trying to change and make a big change like that, if you, you know, immediately, as soon as you, okay, even if you're trying to work out really hard and you weren't used to it, well, you have all this other mental stress you add on. So you start doing fasted cardio in the morning and you're, because you don't, you're active lifestyle, you're raising kids and stuff. You have to do that in the morning and you have to do your strength training in the evening. There's so much stress and cortisol build up that your body's naturally going to inflame more, you know, yeah. so you're fighting <laughs> an uphill battle. So it's like one of those things where you have to get mentally in, in tune and also make the adjustments of the major diet change, you know, and um, I'm sure you've seen it too, doing this, you know, for as long as you have been is I always think it's better to take off, take out one thing at a time than try to make a complete transformation all yeah. in a month because it, you know, just offloads so much of that on you that you're actually going to, you know, forego another additional few months trying to make this transition with your body doing, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard to help people understand this because we all want 
to make change really fast. Yeah. And it's easier to, it feels like it's easier to just grab onto this total life change all at once and just make it all work than to address these habits and build them over time. Most of my clients I work with, I work with them starting out at least at six months. Cause I tell people, you can't make these kinds of changes overnight. And right. if you do, they don't last. Like you can drop a whole bunch of weight really fast, but the way that you can do the way you do that, always create stress in your body. And as soon as you go back to what is normal life, because you can't do whatever it was you were doing forever, your body rebounds and takes more weight on because it did all of that under such a high stress mode. So we have to figure out how to bring that stress level down for that person. It's an individual thing. It's all custom for each person, bringing down those stress levels, building those healthy habits, and then helping them create change that's lasting long-term that they can do for the rest of their life. That's the kind of stuff that I like to do with people and it's fun, but it does take a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super like evident that if you're going to do it, you're going to have to set aside the time and take the time to do it. And so many people like, did you make a post? Was it you? I'm pretty sure you did about the magazine cover with the losing yeah. weight. That was you, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to talk about that. Cause I saw that. I was like, Holy shit. This is something that, um, this is something that's exactly right. But coming from me, it doesn't mean much, but you being a woman, would you mind sharing a little bit about that post? Yeah. I shared it from another guy who okay. posted, and it's a hundred percent spot on. I mean, we always see these magazine articles that talk about, you know, losing massive amounts of weight in really short periods of time. And they are what is causing these metabolic problems for women. Um, When we push them to cut, cut, cut calories and up their cardio, it just takes their metabolism and tanks it, Um, takes their hormones and throws them completely out of balance. And so then they're coming a lot of times, most of the women that come to me are coming to me after doing some of these programs. (laughs) And it's super frustrating to see it because you can, you can hop on one of these programs that promises you these really quick results by just basically starving you and putting you through a cardio mill. And then you pay this little bit of money and all this damage is done. And then you come to me and you have to make up for all of that. And it takes forever. It takes so much longer. And I wish that there was a way to help women understand like these things are, they're dangerous for you. They're causing problems. They're damaging your metabolism. And in the end, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it for that little bit of weight loss that jumps right back. Yeah. And I feel like it's extremely, um, it's popular in our age group. And what I, what I mean by that is like, when we say magazine articles, someone younger than you and I aren't going to, you know, they're not going to know what we're talking about, but people like you and I who were grew up in the grocery, walking through the grocery store with our parents, whatever, and sitting in line bored and we're looking through stuff. And we yeah. saw these, you know, or if you were a young lady, you know, you saw this woman on there saying, I I lost, you know, 10 inches in three months or whatever. And and that's what, and mentally they see these things growing up. And then you see these little, here's a pill, here's a solution. Take this, do this. You know, they are already pre-programmed to think this may work because they saw that so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wish that we could change the narrative for women and for young women coming up too, because we're setting them up for, for, failure and we're setting them up for metabolic damage and hormonal damage. Um, I, I fell for that stuff and I try (laughs) to encourage women now, like I've been in your shoes. Like I was there before I did the whole like drink, uh, what was it? It's like lemon water with cayenne pepper and 
I don't even remember what it was, like three times a day, you know. Yeah, there's, still, there's always something. <laughs> I did that stuff, and here I am. I mean, I can't say 100% like that caused my Hashimoto's, but I truly believe that my poor dieting choices and trying to do things in a way that was not healthy for my body and then not being in a position where I was handling stress well yeah. and have, having high levels of stress I think that contributed to the fact that I ended up with Hashimoto's. I a hundred percent believe that. And I feel like we could set women up for success and, and block them from having to deal with some of these issues. If we were able to teach people just the basics of what their body needs and how, how to reach their goals in a healthy way earlier on in life, it's, it's maddening when I see it and it's frustrating because I know it's it's always so interesting, right? Because you have a guide to, the entire infrastructure, immune system, digestive system, how the body works, how the muscle responds right here. I mean, it's free. You know, it's like, it's one of those things to where it's not like this is hitting information, but the problem is, is people want that instant gratification result and they're not willing to put in the time to figure out what it takes. And yeah, every single person's different, but you can, you can attest to this too, because you have three children. So I've also seen in women where, you know, cause I, I trained for people for a long time and where they use a crutch of, well, I had kids and nothing's been the same since. Yeah. Well, of course, nothing's the same. Every time you, your hormones completely change and you produce something else out of your body, <laughs> adjust and it's not metabolism's going to slow down. Your hormones are going to adjust, but you yeah. have to make adjustments for those things. You can't just continue to eat Taco right. Bell at 2 a.m. <laughs> you know? Right. The things that we do to manage stress, <clears throat> are usually causing more stress within our bodies. Like we, we shoot ourselves in the foot and a lot of it comes down to time. Like they're all those, like you said, all those answers are in the phone. Like we, yeah. anybody can search and find it, but to be able to sift through all the bad information that's in there and pull out what's real is difficult and it yeah. takes time. Um, and that's why a lot of people just don't do it. They're looking for something that they can find right now. <laughs> and if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is <laughs> applies with, with most of those things that are out there. You know, if it's, if it's promising you a fast fix and it's not something that you could do for the rest of your life, it's probably a bad idea. Um, we want some, something that is sustainable for the rest of your life and is going to be healthy. And if that's what you're seeing, that's a good road to wander down um, just to help people with when they're searching what to yeah, I mean, out. what you guys are doing, like at Bristol Bay, aligns with the values of what I try to instill people in fitness and diet stuff like that. Is it? It's hard work. It's hard mm-hmm. work. It's hard work to get there. It's really hard to maintain. And if you ever fall off that wagon, it's really hard to bounce back because you you've reached the pinnacle, and then you're like, okay, and then you kind of let loose, and then next thing you know, you're right back in the hole you were in. So it's something that, and of course, like I, you know, I'll tell everyone too. It's like you got to find that sweet spot. If you're in the mode of trying to transition, change your diet, change your body, you start seeing results. Most people get to the point where like, they're never satisfied. And so they're constantly critiquing something. I'm bad about that. I'm sure you are too. It's like, okay, I look fat today knowing you're really not, but you know, you, you've, you've one of those things where I'm so strict and I may have let loose, you know, I might've had a drink or something bad, you know, last night and I feel really bad today, but it's just, you're becoming more body aware. And so you're harder on yourself. And I think that if people, and here's the thing, if you want to live a lavish lifestyle and eat whatever, not do anything, that's fine. But if you're, if you're going to try to make a change, you have to put in the research, you have to put in the time, or you have to find someone like you 
who can help guide them who have been through these things, you know, to make those lifestyle, complete lifestyle adjustments. Yeah. You know, it comes down to what do you want? You know, not everybody wants to be healthy or they don't want to do what it takes to really be healthy. Um, It doesn't have to be rocket science. And if your goals aren't super high, if you don't want to go and be a competitor or something like that, you just want some overall health. um, There's easy ways to make that to where it's a part of your, your habits and it's not difficult for you. But some people don't want that. Some people want to be able to just go out and not think about it ever. Um, usually you feel like crap when you do that. Well, <laughs> From my own personal experience, yeah, you feel like crap when you do that. But and that's another what want, thing with that is the people that do do that, they turn 50 years old and they have all these illnesses and issues. And then they are looking for a fix at that point or blaming it on something else. And it's like, look, man. It, this is a machine. You have it's just like a car. You have to take care of. It. You have to change the oil. If the tires start going flat, you have to, you know, or you know, the tread wears out. You have to put new ones on it. You know, every now and then the transmission may go out. You may not expect it. You may have an injury, and you have to, you know, it's one of those things where like it's we are a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You're going to have more to overcome if you have spent a longer period of time mistreating your body. Um, the damage that has been done is going to take a lot longer to reverse. And, you know, some things you might not be able to come back from, but no matter what level you're at, no matter where you are, there's always some simple, basic things. Like I always say there's foundational elements that every single person could feel way better if they implemented, if they just got enough sleep at night, number one, sleep (laughs) and drink enough water. If you drink enough water, you get enough sleep. Try to reduce stress by controlling the things that you can. Um, those three things right there, life-changing. Yeah, I mean, those things are, that, I mean, I completely agree. It's one of those things where none of us, if you're a regular everyday person and you're not in the mindset of consuming enough water and fluids, it's something that's game-changing. And when yeah. you start doing it, you're going to, you know, you're going to pee a lot and you're going to get yeah. bloated. <laughs> you're going to get bloated feeling for the first week. And that tends to deter some people, you know, at first, but the thing is your body has used to been, it has been used to holding water because you weren't giving it enough. Now right. it has to used to actually get back performing at full potential and using that water and filtering it throughout the body and hydrating there as it's supposed to, you know, it's just one of those things that that I, that's the number one thing I always tell everyone. When someone's like, I got a headache. I'm like, how much water do you have today? I guess right. the first thing I'm going to say, I'm not taking out. Uh, I'm not taking my kids out are so annoyed at me because of that. Like, every time they come to me, I'm like, have you drank any water? I'm like, yes, I drank water. <laughs> like it's probably water. <laughs> and nine times out of 10, typically it is. Yeah. Um, well, no. So on, on the advert of that, with your male clients, um, you've seen that maybe training for a big hunt or something. What's the, what's something that you're having to get, get over the hill first? I'm sure it's more diet relating, but it could be also the exercise thing because it's a big, there's people that aren't experienced in that type of hunt that are going to have to make a huge fitness, you know, adjustment just to be able to get to where they're get, you know, going to, and then have to carry that animal out after they, you know, harvest yeah. it. Yeah, you know, for guys, a lot of times sleep is a big struggle. Um, You know, there's a lot of pressure put on them a lot of times and they're trying to fit a lot into their days and then they've got work and the stress level for guys is pretty darn high a lot of the times. And that 
tends to keep them up at night and they're not getting the sleep that they need. So I'd say, you know, lifestyle wise, a lot of times I have to work with them on sleep and stress. It's a lot bigger. A lot of times I ask them in the very beginning, you know, how, how are your stress levels? How do you mitigate stress? And, um, they'll say, Oh, I'm not really very stressed. (laughs) And then we'll get a couple of weeks into the program. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) let's revisit that stress thing because I have a feeling like maybe you're more stressed than you think you are. And, come to find out they are, they're just incredibly stressed. Um, so that's a big one, but then a lot of people, especially in the hunting community, from what I've found tend to underestimate how important their strength training is. They train a lot of cardio, which matters, you know, in the mountains, your cardio is important, but then that strength factor, when it comes to, you know, endurance out there and your core, that can be often overlooked. So encouraging them to sometimes slow down a little bit, give yourself enough time to recover and focus a little bit more on some strength can, can make a big difference. Yeah. And I think, um, rucking is huge, um, for prepping for those things. And then it's also fun too, because anyone can do it, right? Like if you're, you know, a female and you're just strapping on 10 pounds and you're just want to do it with your partner to accompany them. And then they strap on 50, you know I mean? It's one of those things that we're, we're built to carry things. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, Especially we have these, yeah. we have a back and we have these, we're built to carry things. And like, we don't get to utilize that a lot, especially in traditional, like Olympic lifting. You're not, you're not picking items up and walking with them. Yeah. You know I mean, you're, you're just squatting or deadlifting, you're picking it up, but you're sitting yeah. back down and you're not going anywhere with it. Um, and I've had uh, multiple guests on the podcast from, you know, Olympic strength training coaches to, you know, people who, have done similar things like you were doing. And it's just one of those things that uh, we haven't discussed it a lot, but like, I really think that's one of the most important things that so many people could get out of strength training. If they just would, everyone would implement that a little bit into their program. It's I love rocking and I've utilized it for years. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and what's really cool about it is as long as you have a good pack, the pack is really important. The fit of your pack is really important. Otherwise, you could be doing damage to your back. But if you have a good pack that is stable, that, that has a good frame, um, and you can have a nice solid waist belt that you cinch it down onto your waist so that that weight is being carried on your hips and not on your shoulders, um, it, it builds core strength, which is your foundation for everything. Um, and it builds leg strength, which is also really important. Plus there is a cardio element to it. You can do it in an interval type of a way, or you can just hike straight up, but then you can also adjust how much of a difficulty it is. You could go a shorter distance with heavier weight, or you can put lighter weight on and go longer distance. I mean, it's extremely versatile and it, it's pretty darn awesome. I love wrecking. Yeah. What's, uh, what's been your longest, um, I guess achievement, with weight and distance. Have you tracked that lately? Um, so I usually, when I would ruck and I wasn't doing a lot of an, an intense elevation, cause I do have a ruck that I do that's just up, <laughs> yeah. but the rest of the time I always do about 65 pounds is usually my go-to. Um, that's and, quite a bit of weight too. And how much do you weigh? Um, right now I'm about 160. Okay. Yeah. I know that's typically not a polite question. In this context. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's, that's quite a bit of weight, you know? Um, yeah. That's, you know, almost half of your body weight. Yeah. I don't usually start my clients out at 65 pounds, no. <laughs> but you know, I've been doing it for a long time. So, and 
you know, I, I've built a good solid foundation for core strength and leg strength and hips, you know, all that stuff is I'm in a good place for packing a lot of weight and I have a good pack. So I usually do about 65 pounds. And I think the longest I went was six miles. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> Usually I do, you know, my daily rucking, like if I do, if I do three or two or three times a week, I try to go out and rock, I would do about three miles. That's my average. That's still quite a bit. And, um, even if your average weight was a slight, slightly lower than that, you know, um, it's still quite a bit of weight and, and distance and you're at higher elevation too. Where are you at right now? Um, just under 4,000 feet. Yeah. So I'm like, at 600, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it's very different to strap on that weight at this elevation and then strap it on there, although you're used to it. And that's yeah. another thing we didn't talk about, like getting clients ready for a hunt clients who have never experienced elevation. So what's a good, what do you, what's a good, like some good advice on that? Cause I know what, I mean, from what I've experienced, it's always good to get somewhere early and let your body acclimate to it a little bit before you start trying to don't fly in and try to take off that next morning and give your body time to acclimate. But other than that, what do you have for advice on, yeah. you know, that's ideal. I mean, if you can get to someplace with elevation and do some training, yeah. um, obviously that's the best, but not everybody can do that. Yeah. So we try to deal a lot with a lot of times when you're at elevation, you're dealing with a lot of up and down um, hiking. So it's just as important to train your legs for going up as it is for going down. Cause it's totally different. Um, the downhill sometimes is harder for people than, than the uphill when it comes to strength. So training that is really important. Um, and outside of that, there's not a ton you can do to prepare your lungs for elevation. You can use a mask. They have the elevation masks and it doesn't, it does not simulate exactly elevation because the way that your body, your lungs bring the oxygen in, um, at elevation like that is different. There's something different about it. Um, so just minimum making it less oxygen in general, doesn't mimic that, but it can help you learn how to engage your diaphragm and bring more oxygen into your lungs. So in that way, it can be helpful, but it doesn't really simulate higher elevation. Yeah. Accurate. It's like you can't, you can't really simulate, you know, the air molecule difference, but you, right. you know, that's yes. just restricting airflow in, but it is strengthening your lungs at the same time. It's just in a different way, but that's right. one of those getting things some that, benefit, but it's not going to feel the same as it will when you get there. <laughs> of course, that's definitely something I wanted to mention because like a lot of people don't take that into account, yeah. you know, and a lot of times that's not talked about, like these people are getting ready for an elk or a moose hunt and, you know, or whatever. And they're, you know, they're just training on a stairmaster and we're in rucking, you know, with that or whatever. And then they show up and there's still a shortness of breath. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you come back and you're like, Oh man, it was the elevation killed me. I'm like, yeah, man, the, the air's thinner and it's different, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, everybody's so different. You never really know how your body is going to respond to elevation. Some people respond really well to it and some people struggle. So that's one of those things that, you know, the best way to know is to go and be in a situation like that for a little while before you go out for some big trip. Um, if, if at all possible. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, it's been good to catch up today. Are there any, uh, final thoughts, anything you want to throw out there, uh, to anyone who may be watching or listening? 
Oh, no, I just really appreciate you having me on the first time. And then it's pretty cool. Got to come back on, like you said, a year to the day later and see everything that's happened in a year. It's kind of fun to just look back and see what all went on. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, I mentioned that before we started. But yeah, to the day, which is I did not plan this to anyone who may think like. <laughs> I was looking and my memories popped up this morning and it was a year to the day we did the last show. And I was like, this is weird. Some kind of energy here. You know, there's no way that this just randomly happened because I was just throwing yeah. a date out there when we talked about it a few weeks ago. And I was like, man, the stars aligned again. You know what I mean? I so, guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, any plugs for what you have going on right now? Well, I mean, really for me, I'm just, I still like to share all of my adventures on social media as much as I can. And then I also try to educate folks somewhat on health and fitness through, through some of my posts on there. But outside of that, yeah, if you're interested in training or working with me or, or anyone on the Bristol Bay fitness team, um, there's always a link in my bio. You can hit me up on messages and chat with me if you have any questions. (laughs) Lindsay Persico at Hunt Fiber on Instagram, Bristol Bay Fitness for training. It was good to catch up. Always yeah. a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much. Yep, have a good day. You too.